Blog Talk Radio. Did you see any white people in there waiting an hour and 32 minutes for a plate of spaghetti? Huh? And how many cups of coffee did we get? You don't drink coffee, and I didn't want any. Man, that woman in there poured cup after cup to every single white person around us. But did she even ask you if you wanted any? We didn't get any coffee that you didn't want and I didn't order. And that's evidence of racial discrimination. Did you notice that our waitress was black? And black women don't think in stereotypes? You tell me something, man. When was the last time you met one who didn't think she knew everything about your little lazy ass before you even opened your mouth? Huh? That waitress sized us up in two seconds. We're black and black people don't tip. So she wasn't going to waste her time? Now, somebody like that, nothing you could do to change their mind. So, uh, how much is you leaving? You expect me to pay for that kind of service? <laughs> what? What the fuck is you laughing at, man? <laughs> I'm seriously starting to think that you're jealous of Karen. Hardly. I'd just like to see you get through a meal without calling her or anyone else for that matter. Okay, look, no more phone calls tonight. Right. As a matter of fact, here, you can hold the battery, okay? Ten bucks says she calls in the car. Wait, 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 wait. You see what that woman just did? You see that? Right, she's cold. She got colder as soon as she saw us, though. Oh, man, come on, don't, don't stop. Man, look around you, man. You couldn't find a whiter, safer, or better lit part of this city right now. But yet this white woman sees two black guys who look like UCLA students strolling down the sidewalk, and her reaction is blind fear? I mean, look at us, dog. Are we dressed like gangbangers? Huh? No. Do we look threatening? No. Fact, if anybody should be scared around here, it's us. We're the only two black faces surrounded by a sea of over-caffeinated white people patrolled by the trigger-happy LAPD. So you tell me, why aren't we scared? Because we got guns? You could be right. Get the fuck out of the car! Give me the keys! Come on, hurry up! Okay, okay. You're traveling to another radio show. A broadcast not only of sight and sound, but of mind, mind. A journey into the wondrous land whose boundaries are that of the imagination. imagination. That's the on-air sign up ahead. Your next stop, Afro Nerd Radio. With your guides, Dee Bird, Captain Kirk, and on Grindhouse Saturdays, the uncanny Daryl D. And introducing West Coast correspondent, Miss Claire Linnae. Mind expansion engaged. Good evening, folks. Your heroes have returned. This is the Midweek in Review edition of AfroNerd featuring Captain Kirk. Remember, the forthcoming episode, you have to get past this one, but there's yet another one. 
and that is our infamous Grindhouse podcast, where we have not only myself and the captain, Captain James T. Kirk, but we also have our left coast correspondent, Claire Lene, and of course, the eidetic memory holder. You know who that gentleman is. He is the uncanny Daryl B. The call-in number remains always the same, people. Try it. You might like it. 646-915-9620. Again, 646-915-9620. Okay, we have somewhat of a shorter show. 90 minutes, but that should be enough for us to get our fill in. Uh, Let's go to an Herb Alt groove, Herb Alt classic groove, uh, Afro-punk, all that jazz, black rock and roll. We're coming upon... Actually, we're closing in on what would have been Prince Rogers Nelson's 59th birthday. He died at 57, uh, what, about two months shy of his 58th birthday. So time is moving. Uh, really just a sorrowful thing, even a year plus later. Uh, more and more po- folks are dying. Um, just just uh, incredible that a lot of these these really talented people are leaving us at relatively uh, young ages, the way we would would perceive age nowadays. Anyway, let's go to one of his cuts. This is Willing and Able. Give me about two and a half minutes, folks. We'll be right back. Let's groove.
right, folks, time constraints. You know who that was? His Royal Badness. That was Willing and Able, I think, from the Diamond and Pearls LP, when we still had such a thing as an LP. Anyway, folks, this is the Midweek in Review edition of Afternoon featuring Captain Kirk. Captain, you're needed in the ready room. Let's get to it, sir. I am going to go right in due to time constraints, abbreviated show today. Now, I apologize to all the listeners, all you proper Negroes and other people who are listening. You heard some cursing on the intro, and from time to time, we've had some music on here with some cursing. Now, even though you understand that you're not supposed to come in, call into this show and curse, the human condition is thus. If you see the top people, everything is controlled top down, playing music or have an intro with some cursing, you feel that you can take liberty. So I apologize. Afternoon to myself, we'll do better. We'll screen the music a little bit better. We'll also screen the intros. We want a PG-13 show here. We know 13-year-olds do curse, though, but that's a whole other story. We're not running a nignog type of show. So once again, I apologize for that. And that's what you proper Negroes and passer buyers will do. Like, oh, okay, let me just call in and just, hey, this is this, this is that, because they did that. That's what you do. So it starts with us. Now, that being said, enough of that. That was just by the by needs to be mentioned. We'll do better here. Everybody can always get better regardless of how good you think you are or how millennials speak gooder and gooder and gooder. <laughs> now, that being said, Fairness is the illusion of the weak to protect you from the strong to no avail. When you have power, you do what you want. Now, the problem with a lot of wage slaves, they feel that there actually is fairness, and you decided to drink that Kool-Aid, and you go on and on, this is not fair. There, is, there isn't any fairness in the world. The only thing that's fair is the 24 hours and the seven days a week that you get and what you do with it. There isn't any such thing as the fairness. The captain is New England Patriots. Cheaters always win. Five Super Bowls. They cheat. Everyone else is cheating. They just do it better. According to occultics, they'll say the Patriots are getting it from both sides. You know, Jesus and uh, Lucifer. They're going one strike three, shoot. You have to be a certain age to understand one strike three. You understand? But anyway, that's what they, some will say that they're doing. <laughs> so there isn't any fairness. And some of you do believe that there's fairness, but there isn't any fairness. Tall man versus 5'5 five five guy when it comes to women. Who gets more women? Come on. Do we really have to talk about that? The tall guy. Fat, ugly woman versus pretty, slim woman. Who gets, who gets, more, who gets more guys? Who gets more attention? Do we really have to talk about that? It's not fair. You understand? But life is not fair. If you run a 40-yard dash and you run 4-7 and you play for a college team or somebody, but there's a guy there that runs 4-3, both of you are 210 pounds, who's the starter? It's not fair that he's faster than you. You did the same work, but he becomes a starter. You only run a 4-7. He runs 4-3. 4-3 is, uh, you know, Extremely fast time, you know, for a 40-yard dash, okay? And that's the 
unit of measurement they use to measure speed in the NFL for your uninitiated people. Now we understand about fairness. Now I have to talk about white people a little bit, a little bit. Shut up, white man. I have the floor. Now listen. When you look at, let's say, Oscar so white and things of that nature, from my standpoint, white people are doing exactly what they do. They came to America, slaughtered the Indians like dogs, put them on a reservation, made you in this country, you Eurocentric black, all right? As the Nigerians say, you're a different tribe. Yeah, because you were made here in America. You don't really know anything about Africa. You don't know anything about that language. You don't know anything about the culture. You have a Eurocentric culture. Actually, what the white man did, it made you into a derivative. Look up derivatives from a mathematic standpoint. You're actually a derivative of them. You Eurocentric black. So, there is no fairness. There is no, well, there should be an even playing field. Let me tell you what humans do. This is what humans do. You're busy running around saying Muslim, Christian, Buddhist, I'm black, I'm white. Everybody wants a piece of pie, piece of the pie for themselves. And once you get a piece, you want a bigger piece. You start taking more and more. This is what humans do. You don't love each other. This is what you do. Let's look at the Latin community real quick. You are a derivative of Spain, the conquistador. Who's the highest? Everything works top down. Spain. And they'll tell you that. They'll tell you that. Oh, you're just, you're just Mexican. We gave you your culture. All right? Oh, you're, you're, you're Colombian. It's all right. But you're, you're not like us. We're Spain. Conquistador. Derivative. And everybody wants everything for themselves. Everybody. So with Oscar so white, because you believe that there should be fairness, and they tell you that, and businessmen, prominent businessmen, know there isn't, there isn't any such thing. But you don't know that, you plebeian, vacuous, gormless, wage slave idiot. Right? So you're fighting, you jump up and down, they give you a little sprinkles, you know, throw this on your ice cream, you know. But we have all the flavors. We are Baskin Robbins. We'll give you chocolate and vanilla, and here's some sprinkles. So white people are doing just exactly what they do. Now, when it comes to film, and before I go into film, let me run off just a couple of prominent black actors. You got Will Smith. You got Morgan Freeman. You got Denzel Washington. You got Forrest Whitaker. Brilliant. Forrest Whitaker is brilliant. Brilliant. That little part he had in our Rogue One, or whatever he was saying there, brilliant. Idris Elba, Morris Chestnut. Morris Chestnut might be, you know, a little too dark for some of you. Some of you have color issues, Plantation Olympics. So we need to bring in maybe a Terrence Howard there. You understand? To lighten it up for some of you. <laughs> you got Michael B. Jordan, you know, Anthony Mackie. You know, and this goes on. I could Jeff, Jeffrey Wright. Jeffrey Brilliant. Brilliant. Lawrence Fishburne. Come on, man. So let me ask you something, proper Negro. What's to stop a Denzel Washington and Idris Elba doing their own movie together and getting financing? Well, the first thing you would say, well, they're actors. They don't do that. That's, that is correct. They don't do that. They just show up and perform like an mf those two. 
count, right? But in this situation, Oscar's so white, you know, white man's not giving you an opportunity. You need to be a little more conscious, you proper Negroes. Because from my standpoint, you're sleepwalking. White people are sleepwalking too, but you're really, really sleepwalking. A Denzel Washington and an Idris Elba could do something really simple. Give you a suggestion. They could turn around and say, let's do a cop movie. Why did I say cop movie? Even before that, why didn't I say uh, list any female actresses? Or should I just say actresses? Let's get it right, actresses. Because the captain stands by the old adage, when we're at war, women and children to safety. Okay? It starts with the men. And there's also an old adage, a community is only as strong as the men. So we put the men forward. If you want to call me chauvinistic, you can do that all you want. I'm not a liberal. I don't care about your little, your little uh, your upsetness or your SJW foolishness. We get it going with the men. Now, back to the point. What's the stop of Denzel Washington and the Idris Elba doing something simple? Well-written cop movie. The reason why I said that, because the cop thing is done very well. We've seen Denzel Washington in training day. And for those of you not initiated, Idris Elba with the show Luther, very well done. Acting prowess is hot. And them getting together and saying they could use their own money, Pretty sure between the both of them, they have $10 million, just to say $10 million. Small budget, we're not going big. Or they could go to someone else. Someone else will finance them too. Them too, you say, oh, we got this here, they're going to finance you. So you just say $10 million. Small. Not a lot of money, not $90 million, not $100 but small. And then maybe you go to an Oprah or someone like Oprah, you might need six or seven people to be a someone like Oprah to give you $15 million to promote it. Idris Elba. And Denzel take deferred payment. They take two hundred fifty thousand each. They're used to getting a lot more money than that. Now you have fifteen million to promote the movie. That's not a lot. That's a total of twenty five million. They put the movie out. And let's say it doesn't make money the first time around, but they break even. I guarantee you they don't lose money. All right, they make back the twenty five million and everything entirely. And they say, you know what? Let's find a time. Let's do it again. And let's say they do this five times. I guarantee you, by the fifth time, all of a sudden now, oh, we made $200 million. Split the difference. That's $100 million in profit. Take out back the 25 That's $75 million. Now you got a business. Now you got a business. But in order for you to do that, you have to be, one, conscious of the situation, somewhat like each other, and also have belief that you can do it. Now, people always say anybody can do a business. No, anybody can get a business, but to be successful at a business, that is not true. Not everybody can be successful at a business, but anybody can do a business, yes. Being successful takes certain type of people. Now, that can be done. Now, that being said, I have to talk about Tyler Perry. Tyler Perry now. I have to admit I love Tyler Perry's business acumen. Can I give it to him? Do I like his movies? No. I don't like seeing a six five guy with bigger shoulders than myself, bigger shoulders than myself <clears throat> running around in the movie theater. Some of you do. I don't like that. But his T V shows, I have to admit, some of his T V shows had good black imagery. 
Some of them good black people going to work. You there talking to your son. You need to do your homework because you don't want to end up like this, this, that, and a third. You understand? You had some good, good imagery on some of those shows. And also, he employed a lot of black people. Do I agree with the movies? No. Is that my type of thing? No, but a lot of you like the movies. Business acumen, excellent. Excellent. Excellent, excellent, excellent. So I give him his props. We need 20 of these Tyler Perry types. Not necessarily doing Tyler Perry movies, but from that business acumen. Excellent. Excellent. You see? Now, something I have to, I have to also explain within this. Now, with inclusion and multiculturalism. The problem with multiculturalism is when you come to the United States and even when you become a citizen, what do you do? I'm a Nigerian-American. I'm a Trinidadian-American. I'm a Jamaican-American. I'm a Mexican-American, saying you do, did this legit. I'm from Italy-American, Russian-American. You see, so you're going to have a problem regardless because you're self-important. The only way this inclusion thing can work on all levels, you have to get rid of all that. That's something that the bankers want to do to you, something they want to do to you. Get rid of your whole culture. They're super rich. You're nothing. Now, some of you might turn around and say, well, how are you going to do that when you still have the color thing? No, after about four generations, 80 years, that goes away. You know why? Because you associate a color with a response. If everyone's doing the same thing and all that is eliminated, you don't have the response anymore. Hello. Hello. That's the reality of it. Now, my way, the other way that I like is what no one's going to do. Slit they throw, take all their trillions. You put black people on one side. You take 10 states. You put white people on one side. Not going to happen. You give Mexicans a few trillion dollars so everybody on the planet can nationalize the wealth. You're not allowed to nationalize any of the wealth. All right, so probably maybe in China, they're starting to upgrade. The plan is from China, from my standpoint, now they're getting the wages that the Mexican is getting when they weren't even getting that. And then eventually, they're supposed to allegedly get what Americans are making, sharing the wealth. That's the plan. But anyway, that's a whole different story. You have those two plans. That's the problem with inclusion because we're all self-important. You start off getting a little bigger piece of the pie, and then they, then you turn around, you want more and more for yourself. All right? That's the problem. Now, I'm going to finish up here in a little bit. I'll finish up here. Now, going forward with this here, the powers that be, shut up, white man. Listen, I'm talking. All right? Shut up. You have two options. You can go ahead and say, Oscar's so white for the next 20 years, and then you put the foot on black people's neck. We all know what happens when you put the foot on black people's neck. Donald Trump gets in office, you know, certain black people go out and buy guns for the white man. <laughs> Someone like myself, 15 years ago, got the gun for the blacks. You understand? And I'm black, and I live in an interracial neighborhood. Legit. Paperwork is legit and everything else. Don't worry about that. Cops, you can come in my thing. You want to see my paperwork? Don't worry about it. Never had to pull it. It's been there. For the blacks. You understand what I'm saying? Even though it's an interracial neighborhood. You understand? Because more than likely, it's a black man that will run up on me or trying to run up on me when I'm sleeping. But when you put the foot on the neck of black people, they respond. 
You understand? So if the white people who are listening passing by powers that be, they put the foot on black people, some of these black actors who I mentioned are going to say, wait a minute, we have to do our own thing. So white people, don't let the black people, you know, start to get wise. Because they get wise when you put their foot on their neck. Remember the Negro Leagues? What happened? It's going. It's out of here. You had their foot on their neck. You understand? Let them think they can assimilate. So what you do is you sprinkle, give them a little more sprinkles, put them up a little bit more movies, and then every now and then you say, okay, this year two Oscars for black people, you know, this, this year three, three, this year five, you know, but you still take most of the Oscars. The heavy lifting will not be done because a lot of you proper Negroes go to work, 150000 200000 at least the ones I know, 300000 80000 so you you good with that. You understand? But if they put your foot on your neck, then all of a sudden you're going to move. Donald Trump gets in the office, you know, black people start to buy guns. White people stop, goes down, but black community goes up. Just paying attention. Okay? So black people, as I say to Afro behind the scenes, you got it times 100, but it, at the same time you don't got it. You're waiting for the confirmation from white people. And these people that I mentioned on this list, they put out their movie, sooner or later you're going to get spillage from other communities where they say, well, I have to go watch it because it's not just black people that like Denzel Washington. I'm sorry. It's not just black people that like Idris Elba. It's not just black people that like Will Smith. All right? It's not just black people that like Jeffrey White. Jeffrey White is brilliant. Oh, my, he's brilliant. Okay? So I think I said what I needed to say pertaining to this, with your Oscars so white. Go ahead with your bad self, white man. Back over to you, Afro-Nerd. Per usual, the captain giving, him, giving us his wisdom. I want to go to a quick groove, very quick, so I can get my thoughts in order. Um, I actually want to talk about something that's somewhat innocuous. Before we get into the, into the alternate nignoggery, <laughs> of the Trump administration. We'll, we'll get around to it. I mean, I, actually, I have Trump fatigue, to be honest with you. Uh, this latest, this latest just nonsense with uh, the senior advisor and Trump's son-in-law, Jared Kushner, it's every 12 hours there's something. I can't even say just every 24 hours. It's more like every 12 hours, there's just utter nonsense that has to be explained away. So we will get into it, but I think I want to get to a groove uh, and then I actually, to keep things light, I want to reminisce about Black Bart. <laughs> 90s Black Bart. Why does Afriner want to talk about this? It's a, a slightly economic proposition, and also it somewhat dovetails off of what the captain just spoke about. So let's go to a quick groove. We'll give you about two minutes. We'll be right back. This is Weapon of Choice. Weapon of Choice Soda Pop. Two minutes, folks. We'll be right back. One, two, three. Oh, oh pop it. Come on, pop it, y'all. Let me see you pop that thing. Love it. Pop it, 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 pop it. Bring it back. Let me see you pop that thing. Love it. Pop it, pop it, pop now. Hip hop rock. This is the hip hop rock. Let me see you pop that thing. Let me see you pop what you got. Don't stop it. 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 Don
one hit wonder where the flash in the pan went. They had to cash the money in the limo. They climbed all the way up them charts. But I guess they didn't have that far hard. featuring Captain Kirk. Feel free to buzz in 646-915-9620. Somewhat of a short broadcast. Anyway, oftentimes I will reminisce about certain things, and I'm a collector at heart, as many of our longtime listeners know. Uh, I'm very much into comic books, hence the term Afro-nerd, comic books, sci-fi. Uh, I was into uh, Rebel uh Revel, why can't I think of it? I'm, well, I'm losing my train of thought. <laughs> I'm just going to do early dementia. Revel, um, Captain, you know what I'm talking about. Um, model kits. <laughs> Jesus. Revel model kits. So I, I, was, I collect all kinds of things. And I distinctly remember, something that's made me remember, these, these Black Bart t-shirts, Black Bart Simpson, the uh, comic, comic character or the animated character that's, what, 30 years old now? Wow, such how long. And still going strong, by the way. And um, I think I have a good sense of things when they become hot again. So in my, in my mind's eye, I have my own internal clock. I say, you know, those, those uh, shirts were kind of hot back then. And, I, and they, they were ironic. And they were bootlegged curiosity i go to ebay and i see that these shirts are going for like 
100 200 $300. Now, Cap, I got to ask you this. I know you certainly remember these Black Bart Simpson t-shirts. And, and again, I'm only bringing this up because it's, it's with me, things are deeper than just the surface. Do you remember these, these Black Bart Simpson shirts? 18 bucks to 25 bucks. That's what I remember. <laughs> what? Not anymore. Not anymore. I'm looking at uh, any of these websites. Uh, Etsy. E-T-S-Y. Etsy is a, a pretty decent website. And there, there is a Black Bart Simpson shirt with a, uh, a sepia-toned Betty Boop. You're jingling, baby. <laughs> That's oh, what yeah. it says. Which is, of course, referencing uh, another Queens native, uh, James Todd Smith, LL Cool J. And they're asking 300 bucks for this T-shirt. Now, the reason why I'm bringing this up is because I'm trying to figure out blackness is this thing. This is me thinking metaphysically and politically. Blackness is this thing that is reviled and revered at the same time. It, can you imagine being reviled and revered at the same time? That is the definition of insanity. It's an alternate definition. You know the definition of repeating things over and over again and expecting a different result is the definition of, of insanity. At least uh, we're led to believe that. But I'm beginning to think that being reviled and being revered is also insanity. That these ironic T-shirts, because they were they were able to Africanize the Bart Simpson character for some reason, it's it's it makes it unique, it makes it endearing. I mean, heck, I even looked at this. Uh, you know, now that they have the Black Lives Matter thing, it's probably it's probably another reason. I'm, I, I can sense the zeitgeist. We're we're, we're under the heel of of a repressive presidency some may say Kathy Griffin the uh, noted D-list celebrity I think she said she's you know she had a show called the D-list um, she has a picture of herself with a faux severed head of Donald Trump so she's catching it catching it how she would think that wouldn't be a problem even if it is Trump it's still a sitting president how she would think that's not going to be a not, not going to be an issue is beyond beyond the, the state of reason. But maybe because in the early 90s, you had um, you had what was happening in L.A., the L.A. riot. You had Yousef, Yousef Hawkins on the East Coast. You had, you had a, a resurgence in the, the, the body black politic. Uh, the, the music, the rap music at that point also, before it was, there was a segue point, which we've never been able to recover from a segue point into gangster culture. Now, you know, it's been re it's been recommissioned as trap music or mumble rap, whatever you want, whatever euphemism you want to use to me, it's, it's, it's the same thing. Um, maybe the times, the zeitgeist is there for, for the, for a revisiting of this kind of stuff. But I just find it ironic that there's, they are so expensive and it makes you think the cool factor for, for turning something black is very interesting to me. Like, 
in what universe should a, a black Bart Simpson shirt that is a bootleg shirt, mind you? Now, I, I have a few of these shirts, and I never thought that much of them. I could probably was thinking about even throwing them out. But now, I, I, you, you almost can't throw out anything. Heck, this, this – uh, I'm looking at this. I'll even put it in the chat room, this Etsy – Etsy ad for this your jingling your jingling baby combo of Black Bart Simpson and Betty Boop even Betty Boop and all of us know Boop Boopy Doop you know that 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 cartoon character even as a kid I always looked at that character and said that character looks a little black to me and <laughs> Betty Boop is also based on an original real life black songstress from the Harlem Renaissance period, um, Baby, Baby Esther, I believe is the name. I, I'm trying to, trying to remember exactly the name of that. Uh, yeah, Baby Esther. I'm just, let me just go into the Google here instead of just guessing. Yeah, Baby, Baby Esther, a.k.a. Esther Jones, was a Harlem flapper, you know, uh, those, those dancers in the Cotton Club in Harlem. And she had to go to court to defend Fleischer Studios because someone was suing them. A white woman, Helen Kane, was suing Fleischer Studios because they said that they took her image when in turn Helen Kane took the black woman's image, her singing style, her hairstyle, and... There it goes. But this, this constant tapping in to black culture and then making it cool and then making money from it. It's very, um, it's very interesting. I just, I just bring these things up to our audience because I think even on the smallest level, we have to start to really not only love ourselves, but to actually capitalize more on black culture. I think we're a bit too dismissive about certain things. And even a black Bart shirt going for 300 bucks means something to me. That's it. Just an innocuous thing. I'm going to put this, this link in the chat room. Take a look at it. I kid you not, 300 bucks for an old school bootleg shirt. I, I think I, if I remember correctly, Captain, I remember in the village, that was, you know, Nigerian um, men who were uh, – Let's say they, 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 were, they were ahead of the, a pack. <laughs> they were on top of these things. I distinctly remember a whole table full of these shirts back in the days. And um, I just thought they were cool looking. I didn't really think that much about the, the ultimate value of these things. But now that time has passed, you know, things turn around. All right, let me move things forward. Um, I would be remiss if we didn't go into – the Jared Kushner deal. We're going to talk about it briefly because, again, I, I just have Trump fatigue, Captain. Every day you hear so many stories of this administration's ineptness. That's your boy. Has, no, it's not my boy. But he, he, he has all these acolytes that come out, and they have to, they have to excuse his behavior. I, I do not re- recollect when President Barack Obama – I remember a little bit of this. With um, with Trump, I'm sorry, pardon me. With uh, Bush, I do remember a little bit of it of this with Bush, where people had to kind of 
scramble to to excuse his behavior, to, to excuse certain things, but it wasn't with such frequency. Talking about, I mean, if there if there's ever been a case of someone who's been grotesquely inept in this position, and there was always this belief that we can, if we can get a businessman in there, but the government is a unique is a unique experience, and there, there's no way to assume that you know the government is not meant to be to be profitable. <laughs> the government is not meant to be profitable. Anyway, let me go to um, let me go to a, a quick clip about the Jared Kushner thing. This is just one of a number of things. Let's see, you know what? Wait a minute. Don't tell me it's still downloading. <laughs> Bear with me, folks. Live radio. I don't think I actually uploaded it, but it's not coming through. Something's going down with Blog Talk Cap. You know, last week we had folks that said they couldn't. They tried calling in. They couldn't call in. Let me try this again. All right. Hold on. This is ABC News on Jared Kushner. Hold on. The latest political bombshell awaiting President Trump when his plane touches down in Washington later tonight. New questions about son-in-law Jared Kushner and Kushner's alleged plan to set up back-channel communications with the Russian government. This latest controversy looming as the president and first lady wrapped up their nine-day international trip, walking there hand-in-hand across the tarmac in Sicily to Air Force One. President Trump calling the trip a, quote, home run in his final remarks to U.S. military at the Naval Air Station Sigonella. ABC's David Wright starting us off tonight at the White House. Tonight, ABC News has confirmed President Trump's son-in-law, Jared Kushner, did try to establish a back channel with Russian officials during the transition, according to sources. But sources insist Kushner's effort was focused on the U.S. response to Syria and other policy matters. An initial meeting took place in December at Trump Tower, according to sources. Kushner sat down with retired Lieutenant General Mike Flynn and Russian Ambassador Sergei Kislyak. These new details may help to explain why Kushner has come under scrutiny by FBI investigators who are looking into Russian meddling in the election and possible collusion by Trump associates. Today, the president's national security advisor pushed back on any suggestion that Kushner's dialogue with the Russians was anything out of the ordinary. No, I, I mean we have back-channel communications with in a number of with a number of countries. So, uh, so generally speaking, about back-channel communications, what that allows you to do is to communicate in a discreet manner. But that's not how the former CIA director sees it. This is off, off the map, Michael. I know no other experience like this in, in our history, certainly within my life experience. Mike Flynn, who attended that initial meeting, was ultimately fired as national security advisor for his subsequent interactions with that same Russian ambassador and his lying to White House officials about it. I asked for his resignation. He respectfully gave it. That was after the FBI exposed Flynn lied to the vice president about what he and the Russian ambassador discussed. 
It's important to note that during his initial meetings with the Russians, Kushner was a private citizen with no official role in government and no security clearance. He was a trusted advisor to his father-in-law. Stand up, Jared. Say hello to the crowd. Come on, Jared. Jared is a very, very successful real estate man in New York. I'm proud of Jared. But about the time Kushner was meeting with Kislyak, Trump was still mulling over what role to give him in the administration. I'd love to have Jared helping us on deals with other nations and see if we can do peace in the Middle East and other things. He's very talented. He's a very talented guy. The president always quick to praise his son-in-law. David Wright joins us live now from the White House. And David, tonight some other Trump family members are in the news for meeting with GOP leaders to discuss strategy. That's right. Sources tell us that the president's eldest two sons, Don Jr. and Eric, held a two-hour strategy session here in Washington on Thursday at the Republican National Committee headquarters. Uh, those sons, of course, are running the family business, but they were here to discuss broad political strategy going forward. Tom? All the Trump staying in politics there. All right, David, thanks so much. All right. Uh, again, uh, as, I, as I mentioned, Cap, I, I really have like just fatigue with this whole administration, and all I can think of is how closely Bar President Barack Obama was, was scrutinized, how closely he was looked at with his choices when he chose Joe Biden as his second chair, and uh, the fact that he was his relative youth and his, his perceived again his perceived inexperience. And how there was somewhat of a, and I remember this very closely, somewhat of a kind of a, a, uh, a sigh of relief that as, as many um, concerns some may have with Biden, mostly because of his, his loose tongue, his famous loose tongue, his, his, his uh, penchant for malapropisms. You know, it's a, this is a big effing deal, you know. Or he's clean. You know, he's, you know, I mean, he's just he, he's, he, he, he's a little loose-lipped, you know, and it's kind of endearing at, at this point. But he's known for really kind of just blurting out stuff, a verbal salad or however it's worth. I think whatever you, you want to say he has. Uh, he is a longtime politico, and folks figured that the worst-case scenario, if that guy is in there in second chair, it's only so much that. President Barack Obama could, could screw up in quotes. But the reality is that re remembering President Barack Obama's political um, cabinet choices and how many of these folks, which was actually critiqued, many of them were you know, Harvard educated. I mean, not that uh, young Master Kushner is also a Harvard dude, but I'm talking about people who were, who were specific to their to their jobs, the choices that he made. These are, these are very esteemed, educated, proficient government people in Obama's camp. Whatever you may think about, politic, uh, about the politics of it all, you can't discount that he had qualified people. Everyone centered around, around Donald Trump is mostly like realtors people who have no real governmental experience and again young master kushner 35 36 years of age young dude he didn't, he had inherited his father's business charles kushner Ch charles kushner is a crook 
who did jail time. I don't know if our listening audience is aware of that, but many of our folks, the folks that are listening are sharp people. Charles Kushner did time about 14 or 15 months, or maybe a little bit more than that. I think maybe uh, maybe a year and a half or such uh, for for uh, illegal campaign contributions, wiretapping. Um, I mean, I mean, his father's a crook. So I'm a believer that the apple really doesn't fall that far from the tree. I don't believe that – I mean, you, you ha- we have exceptions, but there are rules. Let me repeat that. We have exceptions, but there are rules. And I believe that when you, if you are raised in a, uh, with a family that has a disregard for certain le- legalities, that's part of your character. So for this young man to be given the keys to the kingdom, literally, and to set up these, these, these back-channel communications, and really even the term back-channel communications really is incorrect because back-channel communications, they, they, that, that's a legal term. You know, we, we, it would be used for, for government officials, people who have actually taken the reins of office. He's establishing this before Trump has been sworn in and before he was actually given a formal position. So he's cutting deals like a realtor, a realtor would when he hasn't really, really been given the authority to do so. So it's not really a back-channel communication. So that, that might be, I hate to say it, but this may be one way he might be able to extricate himself out of this because they keep on using the term back-channel communications. Back-channel communications, it's, it's nothing new. It's almost a, an expected thing, but you, you, you have to be in office to do it at least. So, you know, this, this is such an obvious amount of – there's such an obvious amount of latitude that's been given to this administration – and we can't seem to be honest. I don't see any, really, any of the media. The, this, is the, this is the media's monster. This is the media's Frankenstein. They created this whole thing. And there's money in having 24-hour, really 12-hour porting on the faux pas of the, of the Trump administration. I almost believe this is, this is something that, that the media concocted. This is, I mean, Trump... Even with his TV show, I mean, Trump, Trump has always been a, a media invention. Even in New York, if you want to, he is. A, he was always this this kind of. I'm thinking of, of of being a New Yorker now. He was always this over the top, sh- shoot from the hip, acerbic, wealthy guy, the living embodiment of Richie Rich, in New York. Okay, looking at his lifestyle. His lifestyle was entertaining, but that doesn't mean that it translates into being a president of the United States and being a global leader. Now he's taking us out of the Paris Accords, Captain? Really? I mean, we can understand some or maybe even many of some of the accomplishments of Barack Obama being, President Barack Obama being dismantled, but there's got to be, but this is just being spiteful. I don't really, I don't even really see the purpose of this. This is, all these major nation states have signed off on the Paris Accords, but now we're going, now we're going to be the lone sheep now. Everybody else but us. I mean, it, it, it looks crazy. Angela Merkel, Angela Merkel says, 
really can't trust the, you know, we really can't trust the United States. Europe is on our, we're on our own. I mean, in so many words, she basically called President Donald Trump an a-hole. I can't work with this a-hole. I'm translating in German. That's what she said. Your guy is an a-hole. We can't work with him. This this long-standing, um, finely tuned relationship is kaput because you have an a-hole running the country. That's my. That's how I interpret the, her German. I'm just saying. We have a caller. Can I interject something? Sure, sure. Caller, hold on. Seven oh three. We'll get to you in one minute. Well, well, there's two things with with Trump. Number one, as a business person, you're used to. As a billionaire business person, you're used to sticking your hand out and everything moves. You're dealing with politics. There's checks and balances. So you're not going to get your will (laughs) a lot of times. Ask Barack, ask Clinton, ask the Bushes, ask Carter, ask Reagan. You you don't get everything. You know, you get some of what you want. And then, you know, the next person has to come in. Hence, checks and balances. Now, when you're dealing with Trump, the thing that I would do, and I'm challenging Jeff Lentz with Jeff Lentz show, <laughs> and it makes a lot of sense, provided that he could hang, hang on. I think he will hang on. They don't really like to impeach these individuals, as I said before. Right before the next election, you know, you go to war with Iran. Leave North Korea alone. Go to war with Iran and devastate them. Then that puts you in a good position. Take Iran off the board to be in there for another four years. That's politics, baby. <laughs> That's politics. That's all I'm saying. So we'll have it potentially, you know, this can happen again. <laughs> Don't doubt anything with this country. Because truth be told, how did we get in there in the first place? <laughs> That's all I have to say. Now let's get to the caller. <laughs> All right, 703, DMV, welcome to the midweek. What's up? This is the gentleman from Howard University. Before What's I up, get man? into my dad, hey, how you doing? Pretty how good. How you gentlemen doing? All right. Hey, hey Cap, Cap, the only thing about that is Iran is rumored to have nuclear weapons. Yes, then that was correct. Then what? Correct. Because the, whole, the first thing they're going to do is launch a volley into Israel. <clears throat> that is correct So as someone who spent almost 30 years in the military If that happens The Suez Canal shuts down That means tomorrow gas will be $50 a gallon That's going to bring our economy to a screeching halt So there, there are ramifications for that That's a good point Well said <clears throat> Well this is one thing I want to get into Is um, you gentlemen and I have many friends who are from New York, so they are very well-versed in Donald Trump. Like, I'm well-versed in what happens in, in Washington, D.C. And the New Yorkers warned, warned us early on. So America got, gets what it gets. But I think, at the end of the day, he's not a Republican. Um, and I think um, Deaver touched on it. He wants to erase Obama's legacy. And I think, as um, Cap um, very aptly noted, Congress moves in a different – that's why the so-called founding fathers set up the government like they did in case we get a, a wannabe king in there who wants to sort of 
um, stack everything for him. But like um, here where I live in the state of Virginia, we have a primary in two weeks. So if 2018 goes the way I think it is, if the House flips, you're going to see a whole different Donald Trump because you think he can't move anything now with all the um, branches of government aligned under the GOP. If he gets one that's not under the GOP, he's going to spend four years banging his head against the wall just signing off executive orders, just like Obama was doing his last year. And at the end of the day, what has um, Trump done? He's pushed out a budget. He signed executive orders. But, you know, what are we, 125, 130 days in? He's only been to one overseas trip, where this time um, in Obama's presidency, I think Obama has visited like 30 nations. I mean, what exactly has he done that affected our lives? So I don't. I mean, he's. I mean, he's put forth a budget. He's signed executive orders, but until Congress signs off on it. It's technically no better than what the paper's written on, to be honest with you. Well, I mean, I said this before. My issue, and I have to think about it, about, you know, folks of color, as far as what we need to do. And I, I go in and out of tribalism, but I have to be real about how the circumstances are with us. That we need to be, and this is on repeat figuring out small ways to set up some kind of internal buffer system as best as we can. Because when you start to see how, how much of a volleyball game this is, that the, 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 some of the gains, the, the, the gains that were accomplished under the Obama administration or any other preceding administration, and then the next person comes in and just completely tries their best to eradicate that, where is the progress in all of this? I mean, there's got to be some things that should be able to stand a test of time. But, you know, years ago, during the uh, O'Neill days, those folks, and going even before then, you didn't have this sharp demarcation in ideology. In the last 15 years, you've been seeing, I think really post-Bush post too, is when you're really start, starting to see this, this, this balkanization of our country this, this factional, factionalization of our country where we had these sharp lines. And it, it, it actually, it also kind of dovetails into what Captain talks about with self-importance, even about that. Because if you factor in what, what the SJWs are about, the, these 100 or 150 different pronouns, you have such a carving out of culture and politics that you, you're setting up a system where nothing is going to be able to get done. Where before, when times were simpler, they really were simpler. Men were men, women were me- women, even in the, on the gender side of things. Now, I, I, if you see this in its totality, balkanization, and it could easily be anarchy. And what you see with, with Donald Trump, Donald Trump feeds off of anarchy, and we can't even be honest about this guy's lack of ability, his lack of experience, and all I, and, and his acolytes are just making excuses after excuse after excuse. And when he does something, because the bar is set so low, if he just if he just behaves overseas, oh, he did very very well. No, he he, he kept on script. Are you kidding me? 
So I think this, I think this began long before then. I think it began in uh, when Johnson didn't run again, and he based and when he signed the Civil Rights Bill, he basically gave the South to um, the Republicans. I think it started there. And um, if you look at the local, the state and local level, it's all GOP and it's all red, almost all around the country. And that's just a fact. And I don't know your gentleman's age, but I don't know if Sergio's still on the call or not, but Gerald Ford was just as clueless as Trump was. He just wasn't as um, fanatical. So I think it even goes back before then. But, you know, we survived that, and we're going to survive this. But, you know, yeah. I, I'm not a fan of that two steps forward, three, five steps backwards um, mentality yeah, I mean, um, of, of how we live in. I think we're going to have to make some adjustments on some things, but um, talking about and doing is two different things because, you know, too, much, too many of our people and American people in general are just so hypnotized by popular culture and consumerism and some more things that um, literally the zombies can come through the front door and they won't know about it until it's too late. Yeah, you might have a point as far as going back further, but I I think that even with someone like Gerald Ford, um, who was a vice president, um, he was was a, a house minority leader. I mean, this guy had some political experience. I mean, we saw him physically falling. You saw Chevy Chase, even in pop culture, mimic, exaggerate some of his faux pas. But many, many of these folks, you know, it, it's it's more debatable. Debatable, I think, as to as to how uh, how effective they were, how proficient they were in in their positions. But this is the first time we clearly have someone who did did not have any political background, and he doesn't have to have any kind of intellectual curiosity either. I mean that's a that's just a deadly a deadly thing. George Bush was a governor of Texas. I mean he seemed not to know what was going on, but there, there was still enough people around him. That, although I think many folks were not pleased with the Bush administration. Now you could you didn't think it could get any worse. It could get a whole lot worse. Where you clearly see you just can't have anybody coming there. I mean he basically BS his way into the into that position, and that's that's just What's clear. Here? He BS his way even, into the position. What's even more telling was where are all the um, no Trump people now? They're going to get um, positions within the administration. But that's, again, another um, issue maybe for another day. Um, and I don't want to go too much into it, but um, I know some people at the State Department. And a lot of these agencies can't even recruit. I mean, you got like the, the JV team running a lot of these organizations, if not worse. There hasn't been an um, interview, excuse me, a press conference from the Pentagon. Hasn't been a press conference. I think only had one at the State Department. So you have a lot of major agencies are basically working at a quarter capacity. And I read when Trump first got in, you know, there's a protocol of how international leaders would get in contact with a president. That wasn't there because there was no assistant secretary of state for Near East Affairs or um, Far East Affairs, and they literally were calling Trump Tower. I mean, they were trying to call his cell phone. So you just don't, there are no adults in the room. And he brought people to lead agencies whose background was the destruction of those industries. Like you have um, Betsy Davos at Department of Education. 
and you get what you get because the masses, you know, you know, less government, you know, just tear it all down until it affects them. Well, and this know, is also, what you get. Well, also, and I've said this before, I'm not fearful of saying that, that this, this is white hubris run amok. And I, I thought in the, the, the back recesses <laughs> of my mind, well, it, it, it is. It clearly, listen, there were so many folks, Hillary Clinton included, oh, well, this guy is so obviously ill-prepared and so, um, so nasty of a person that there's no way I can just cakewalk through this. And in the back of my mind, I was like, wait a minute. I'm never going to be shocked that there's, there, there's a, a, a sizable faction of white folks. That, and we saw this with President Obama, that just his presence was at issue. And we saw this globally when he visited Belgium. And the, and the Belgium uh, newspaper had, uh, had a, a caricatures of the Obamas as simians. So not only did we, did we see this Inter- see this nationally, but we saw it internationally. I think also in Russia, I mean, there were other European states that when President Obama would visit or and, and with his family in tow, they would make these monkey references. I mean, this is, this is, the, 20, this is the 21st century, and, and it's, just, it's white nignoggery, clearly. So I never, I never was a believer that if they got the guy, if they got the quote unquote white version of Malcolm X, that their their interpretation of Malcolm X from the white perspective, if they had a shot at doing that, I mean, this is clearly uh, an equal and opposite uh, reaction to President Obama. As tight and well healed and as competent as Barack Obama was, you see the complete opposite in Donald Trump, and it doesn't matter because well. He's got the correct complexion. I mean, we saw that even with his wife, with the, with the Virginia, uh, I think Virginia mayor, if I'm not mistaken. Was it, was it a mayor? That's in your your neck of the woods somewhat, Bison, where she uh, was uh, that political person and her underling commiserating on Facebook, talking about, uh, you know, we'll have a real first lady, a beautiful first lady. And this woman who can't even speak the, the king's English. But it's okay. <laughs> You know, anti-blackness is worldwide. But I want to True say indeed. something. I know you're going to move along in a second, but um, mm-hmm. um, there's no more moderate GOP, Deeper. Like, if Jack Kemp was still alive, and if he was pushing for I would have voted for him. But there's Nixon's no more a moderate. moderate. So, yeah, <laughs> Nixon, that's gone. Nixon, Nixon is a moderate. My, my, par- actually, my, parents, moderate. my parents talk fondly of Nixon. If you're gonna be, well, if you're gonna, Nixon, Nixon, Nixon started Nixon, I'm gonna say Nick. Well, he didn't start it. He expanded it. It actually expanded goes it. back. It, it it goes back to JFK. JFK introduced the term with affirmative with affirmative action, and then uh, Nixon, a Republican, expanded affirmative action. Even and even though he was talk, he, his tapes talked all kinds of craziness about interracial sex. And Jewish people, and how black folks are, it's going to take five hundred years for black folks to get their act together. I mean, all kinds of nonsense he was he was talking about. All okay, but here's the thing: what do we do? What does the country do to get out of it? Because he's not going to get impeached. I mean, I mean Cap had a good point about that. I, I don't, don't think, think so either. 
I think, and, and I'm gonna say something else. I think he may do two terms. Wow. That's right. Say, 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 it, Bison. I think he may do two terms. He may do two terms because um, we saw. Uh, I, I don't go by, and I know some may be listening tonight. So the hell with it. I don't go by what white, white, a lot of white people say. I go by what they do. There you go. And, was, it, and people believe in these polls. And a lot what was it fifty three percent of white women voted for um, Trump over uh, over Clinton. Yeah. Race Trump sex, I, by the way. Race Trump's yeah. sex. Always. As a double Always. entendre. Race Trump's sex. Go ahead. And a lot of your favorite subgroup, um, Debert, millennials, stayed home or sat on their hands or voted for um, John, excuse me, was it Gary Johnson and Jill Stein. Or they, a lot of them just stayed home and didn't vote. And I don't want to hear anything from them. Yeah, I, I don't want to hear from Kathy Griffin with the, with the severed heads. I mean, who, 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 who in their right mind? See, first of all, we have way, way too many court jesters with with platforms. She's a court jester, a white nignog, and I have no fan. I'm no fan of President President Trump. But who would who would think that you're going to pull something like it? I mean, it it just goes more into the narrative of. Oh poor Trump! You, you know, you, you you realize he's under attack. You never win with that kind of vitriol. Keep a keep a cool head and start planning. But there, but many of these folks are so kind of out of sorts they can only react uh, under an emotional circumstance. So this bloody severed head. What are you talking about? We we're lucky we didn't see Obama in that kind of. I mean, we did see Obama burning uh, burned an effigy, and we see some pretty rough stuff, but nothing to that comparison. But not for a lack of trying. But even even that would have been extreme. This is extreme, even for, even for Donald Trump standards. You got to. Hey, one more thing. Sure. You brought up something earlier, and I think Cap sort of um, chimed in, in regards to the role that the media played. CNN and a lot of these twenty-four hour networks were were the main cheerleaders during the um, during the primaries up to the general election. It was you thought it was. 24-7 now. You know how it was like a year ago. And then they want to complain about the backlash. And now, who's um, profiting now? New York Times, Washington Post subscriptions are through the roof yeah, yeah. because people want um, investigative reporting. So I think there's an incestuous um, relationship somewhere in that. And they're going to be the main one complaining because I think eventually the White House is going to stop press briefings altogether. They're just ramping up to that now. Well, I say I'm by you, the end of the summer. I'm glad you brought that up because we, no one is really talking enough. I mean, of course, we see Trump's using terms like fake news, and it's it's a double-edged sword because on one end he's he's using his using this faux critique of the media as cover because it's it's, it's a constant way of keeping things off balance. So if the public really can't believe what they're reading or what they're seeing and what they're hearing, then that's one way of also kind of stepping to the side of any allegations when it comes down to uh, uh, co- you know, any kind of behind-the-scenes coalition with Russia if you can't believe the media. And at the same time, like you said, the media, they, they are so profit-driven that we've seen Trump hours on radio, you know, Trump specials. Uh, you know, we we can't get enough of Trump. 
So there's, there is a financial component. There's always been a financial component once he announced that he was going to run for president. And they gave him a billion dollars worth of free advertising. And you saw that a group called the Sinclair Broadcasting Group. They just bought the Tribune Company, a corporation, and they yeah. own a string of small to mid-sized newspapers. About a month or two into the election, they saw softball and all the um, coverage for Trump. And they just bought WGN. And one of the first things they did was they cut off, um, excuse me, um, underground. They're going to move away from that type of program. Yep. So you're going to see um, – I saw a term for this, and I think it's most appropriate for what we're seeing. Trump or his backers want to turn America into Alabama. Mm-hmm. And, and, I think, and I think they're well on their way unless people get off their dust and vote and do whatever is necessary to start flipping the house and some other things to kind of minimize the damage that's, that's being done. Because he just, if he has Obama's name on it, it, it you know, he's going the other way, no matter how much sense it makes. He, he's, I mean, the Paris Accords, the Paris Accords basically handed worldwide leadership to the Chinese. By stepping out of that, the EU is going to look to China. And if he keep, continues on that on that march, we're going to be number two or number three sooner than we thought. Um, I got a question you know, for you, Bison. Mm-hmm. You listening? I'm here. Hello? Now, you had mentioned... I'm here. You know, that anti-blackness is worldwide. And I know you've been overseas. Can you just speak about that briefly, just quickly, some of your experience, even though it doesn't necessarily have to do directly with this, but I'm kind of intrigued by that. If you go to the Middle East and you go to Asia, you go to the South Pacific, um, people of darker hue are at the bottom of the social, every economic scale, every scale you want to measure. Aborigines in um, Australia, there are blacks in the Middle East, there are blacks in Saudi Arabia, there's blacks in Qatar, and all the Gulf states, you, you don't see them. So they all are, they're black. I saw blacks in Iraq. And we know how the um, they have the um, untouchable caste system in India. Mm-hmm. So that's that's the short version. All right. But you look, if, if you go to Europe, you look in a lot of most of the ghettos, um, Paris, you know, Paris is ringed by ghettos. It's not only by race, it's by religion. So in all my travels, I just think we're just marginalized. And I'll stop there. Okay. Let, let's move a little forward. we got about 13 minutes remaining. I want to talk about the comments that Ben, Dr. Ben Carson made. Um, I think that's a distraction. Because I think in in its total well, first of all, again, why he wouldn't be the the uh, the, the secretary of health and human services? Um, I mean, it, it's the whole thing is laughable. You have a neurosurgeon and you put him in charge of HUD. I mean, that that within itself is is just <laughs> it, it just doesn't make any sense. You know, it, it, you know the surgeon general. I mean, there's an obvious thing that I mean, his, his, you know, he's, he's, he has run a hospital before, so I could see him doing something that would definitely would be a, a benefit. But I mean, come on. Uh, so I'm gonna I'm gonna play this clip of exactly what he said. Actually, it's two clips. One is back to back with um, Dr. Ben Carson and um, Morgan Freeman, who had who had been critiqued 
for saying something similar. And I think, again, he's really not the most articulate person, even though he's brilliant. There's a way to say certain things where you really can't be deconstructed. He's not smooth like that. There is a finessing if you're going to say something somewhat controversial where someone really can't, can't critique you the way. Because right now it's, like a, it's a snapshot critique of, oh, he's saying that uh, p- poverty is just in your head. No, it's a little bit more sophisticated argument. It's a little bit more sophisticated. But that's not what came across. So let me, um, let me play this clip of Morgan Freeman and Ben Carson back-to-back, and then uh, we'll unpack. Hold on. It's the greatest idea. Uh, we have a much more vibrant society when we don't have such a vast chasm between the haves and the have-nots. We need uh, that middle ground that we call the middle class, the people who buy everything, people who use the uh, products that the rich are creating if they're creating anything other than wealth, Right? So it's it's what's happening with the Chinese economy right now. They're changing their whole outlook because they need consumers. And without a middle class, you're not going to have consumers. You're not going to have it at the level that we normally would have it. So can we? Can I go back to? Because I I thought what you said was fascinating. Because you called it bull when you said people can't you know pull themselves up. Do you think that race plays a part in wealth distribution or either a mindset that you can't or cannot? Yeah. No. You don't? No, I don't. I don't. Right. You and I, we're proof. Why would race have anything to do with it? Stick your, put your mind to what you want to do and go for that. I think poverty to a large extent is also a state of mind. You take somebody who has the right mindset, you can take everything from them and put them on the street. And I guarantee you, in a little while, they'll be right back up there and you take somebody with the wrong mindset, you can give them everything in the world. They'll work their way back down to the bottom. So, you know, a lot of it also has to do with what we teach children. Uh, Because uh, parenting is a, a very difficult job. You have to instill into that child the mindset of a winner if they're likely to become a winner. If you're always telling them they're no good, they're rotten, they hear that constantly, they see that around them, then it shouldn't surprise anybody that that's where the vast majority of them are going. All right, Captain, what do you think he's really trying to say here? I mean, again... Uh, listen, I'm not going to get into what he's trying to say. <laughs> if you try to say something, you say something. You understand? I'm not going to get it to what you would try to say. What I will say, he's entitled to his opinion. Morgan Freeman is also entitled to his opinion. But your perspective can change a lot of times once you've made it. All right? And Morgan, going back to Morgan Freeman, I actually have more respect for what he's saying than Mr. Ben Carson, to tell you the truth. You know, because I, I actually respect Morgan Freeman more than I do Ben Carson. That's just by the by. You know, Perspective is very interesting You know it's very interesting I think race does matter I think the way you think Definitely does matter All these things are factors You know 
Are you going to tell me a person who's born into money versus someone who's born into poverty? They're on the same level? Come on, that just be asinine. That's idiotic. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Let's, let's, let's call a spade a spade. I always say fairness is the illusion of the weak to protect you from the strong, to no avail. When you have power, you do what you want. Life is not fair, you know? You're going to tell me someone who got into Harvard and their parents are rich versus someone going to city college. It's the same, even though you both get the same, you know, degree. Money is a factor. It's not just state of mind. That's part of it. There's a few things with this. You know, it's a few things, man. It's one thing to start at zero and you have to run 60 yards. But if you're starting at minus 60 <laughs> and you say the finish line is here, come on. <laughs> come on, man. What are we talking about? So I'm not going to get into what he was trying to say. You know, say what you need to say. You're a neuroscientist. You're a neurosurgeon. Put your words together. That's what I'm going to say. Yeah, you well, the problem there, sir. The problem with Dr. Ben Carson is he's, he has set, set up a precedent for kind of being somewhat, I don't know, maybe he actually has Asperger's syndrome to be able to do what he's able to do. That's, what I have, that's how I, I, I'm actually reading him, because you can't discount his brilliance. But I've seen a number of folks who suffer from Asperger's that are very focused on one thing. So when it comes down to the medical sciences, you can't take anything away from him. He's, he's very proficient in that, and his level of interest is that. And again, if you have a type of Asperger's, and you see kind of his aspect where his eyes are closed, he's slow speaking, you know, it's, it's a little bit of a, of, of, a, a, of a series of tics or mild tics that seem to accompany someone. And I, and I, I can't, listen, I'm not a medical doctor, but it, it's, when you're at, at that level of cognition. In a, yes. You bet. You're making an excuse for him. We know he's a medical scientist. We know that. No, no, Put that no, aside. No, no, I'm, I'm explaining what I think is going on. So Okay, all right. Be, 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 because of this, this um, focus, he's able to be brilliant in this one subject area. Everything else, he's lousy. However, we're also, at, we're also uh, in a period where there's, there's no real allowance except for maybe podcasting, thankfully, where you're able to kind of expound ideas and explain yourself. But for the snapshot way that the media works conventionally, you, you, you're, it's, a series, it's a series of spitting around, a series of, of snapshots, and you don't really get what he's talking about. Now, I do believe there's a lot of evidence to show that some of what he's saying has validity, that if you are dealt an unfair hand, and, and, and like you said, there's no such thing as, as absolute equality, that's for sure. But we have also seen folks that have been able to kind of succeed under ins- insurmountable, over insurmountable odds. Uh, clearly, heck, I'm seeing folks on YouTube, these YouTube personalities, folks that are just coming out the blue who are just proficient or just talking smack, and they have hundreds of thousands, if not millions of followers, which is, which if you run through the analytics, is six-figure, sometimes even high six-figure incomes. So we have to be real about what America really stands for. America, you can, you, can flip, you can flip your circumstances very easily. 
because we, we're seeing it. Um, I've spoken on our, on this show on countless occasions about the concept of learned helplessness. That that even when things look a certain way, because you've been trained to fail, that when something comes forward that could potentially get you out of your circumstances, you would still neglect it. You've seen people like Mike Tyson, who had a $300 million fortune, urinated away because his, his mentality wasn't able to adjust to his circumstances. So, I mean, thankfully, you know, there seems to be some kind of thing, something going on to work with him, but he's a shadow of his former self as far as the kind of money that he could, could, could have had. Someone who's smart is able to keep that money. So, I mean, what does that mean? We, we've seen people who come from these circumstances – They've actually attained wealth, but because of a mentality, they're right back in, in a similar circumstance, or they, they sabotage themselves. There's, there's, there's a degree of self-defeatism, self-sabotage, and learned helplessness that we cannot, we cannot just shoo that away because we want, we, want to, we want to coddle poor people. There is a bit of a coddling going on. If anything, was, if anything were to come out of the Bush administration that I agree with was the the low expectations. What was it? The the the, 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 the actual the bigotry of low the expectations. Yeah, yeah, the bigotry the bigotry of low expectations was a mantra. Probably the only thing I can, I, I actually agree with from the Bush administration. There is a bigotry attached to it. You could take a dump on poor people from from a frontal view, but the liberal believing that, oh, poor you, you really can't do anything for yourself, you're a helpless fawn, that's the bigotry of low expectation. We don't expect that much from you, so we, we're going to have to keep you keep you from a – you know, we're going to coddle you and, and, and make you feel better about your, your circumstances because you, we know you can't do any better for yourself. Deep down, we know that. And that's patently false also. So I just think that – Unfortunately, there's not going to be a way for, 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 for anyone to explain themselves around the poverty argument. But I, I, I agree with some of it. I agree with some of it. But the idea that things are equal and all that kind of thing, no. You know, if all things were to, put, were, were to be honest and correct, black folks, black folks would, would be in a better circumstances if, if there had been an allowance for Reconstruction to fully go – it's go its course, even after even after slavery. Imagine if we had full rights under Reconstruction. There was no real uh, reversal on Reconstruction, and if we had if we didn't really have Jim Crow, what would have happened? No Jim Crow, full throttle on full throttle on postbellum legislation through through Reconstruction. Would, would, would black folks be – and if our leadership had not been killed, what would have happened? Where would we be? That's a perfect, that's a perfect movie that we'd have to go to the white man to help us make. <laughs> I'm just saying. That's where we are. Folks, we had a short broadcast. It starts getting hot, and we only got about a minute remaining. Um, Saturday, we are going to have our grindhouse. Hopefully, I will be able to buy tickets for this. Wonder Woman thing, 96% Rotten Tomatoes, Rotten Tomatoes score, so again, I think he's going to do well. I've been hearing pressure was on Patty Jenkins, the director, Cap. You know, hopefully 
uh, Ryan Coogler will get the same kind of deal. That you know, you're not allowed to fail. There's no latitude latitude for you. It's like Trump. It's like Trump. Trump has latitude to, to be an idiot. Patty Jenkins, right. the female director, no latitude. I'm just saying. Let's go. <laughs> All right, folks. Always real. Always a pleasure. Remember, Thursday, uh, Saturday, pardon me, 6 p.m., the Grindhouse. We'll be back again talking about Wonder Woman. Anyway, uh, let's go to Valerie June, Astral Plane. It's been real. Is there a light you have inside you can't touch? A looking glass can only show you so much. Follow the sun, slowly but steady. Don't rush. The day will come when you're ready. Just. There is a lot.